Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, Converts Edition. What do you think of when I say conservative climate activist? Perhaps you laugh dismissively, haha. Perhaps you draw a complete blank. Perhaps you get a little wistful, thinking of how nice it would be if climate change wasn't an ideological issue. But you probably can't think of one. Today, I am going to introduce you to a real-life conservative climate activist. His name is Bob Inglis. He's the executive director of RepublicIan.org, which promotes solutions to climate change using the free market. He's been on the pod before, but we're revisiting our conversation and checking in again in the context of this season. We had a chance to talk about how recruitment is going for him and what kinds of revelations he's made along the way. Bob Inglis, coming right up. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks. So you were on before, so I am familiar with your story, but I think we should review it. Tell us who you were in the before time. I was uh, for six years in Congress saying that climate change was nonsense. Um, All I knew about it was that Al Gore was for it. And in as much as he was for it, I was against it. So... um, I admit that's pretty ignorant, but that's the way it was for my first six years in Congress. Had to do with the fact that I represented a very conservative district in South Carolina. Um, So uh, that's how I spent my first six years in Congress. Then things started to change because of your family, right? Yeah, I was was out of Congress for six years doing commercial real estate law in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And then I had the opportunity to run for the same house seat again in 2004. And uh, my son came to me in the midst of that election. He just turned 18. So he's the eldest of our five kids. And so he said to me, Dad, I'll vote for you. But you're going to clean up your act on the environment. His four sisters agreed. His mother agreed. New constituency, you know. So right off the bat, to me, there's something unusual about your story or something we can learn from at least, because you accepted this challenge from your family without, it sounds like, at least in your retelling of it, you didn't double down and get your back up. Yeah. Um, well, and then there's, there was step one of the three-step metamorphosis, and there's a second step of going to Antarctica with the science committee and seeing the evidence in the ice core drillings. Um, 
And then a third step of uh, another science committee trip, and oddly, because you would expect all scientists to be godless, of course, there was a uh, sort of a spiritual awakening on that on that science committee trip, Great Barrier Reef, snorkeling with an Aussie climate scientist who I could tell shared my worldview before any words were spoken. Um, you know, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And so Scott, who's now become a very dear friend, Scott Heron, was, I could tell was preaching the gospel. It was in his eyes, it was written all over his face. It was in his excitement in showing me uh, God's creation. Um, and so I, I, I knew we shared a worldview. And later we had a chance to talk and he told me about conservation changes he was making in his life in order to love God and love people. And it was really there that I decided that I would come home to Congress and introduce the Raise Wages Cut Carbon Act of 2009, uh, because I wanted to be like my friend Scott. He has become a very dear friend. I, I wanted to love God and love people. So, um, so I think that the, the thing that unites those things uh, was really this, this um, a community of love um, that I was able to, you know, as my family, as, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, dear friend of Scott, uh, you know, as people that really mattered to me. And, you know, so I, I knew that I faced a choice between the temporary affection of the political crowd, uh, which I can uh, assure you is a very temporary affection. Um, and the, uh, you know, the long-term caring and love and respect of people that I really, really do care about, uh, whose opinions really do count with me. And so, um, yeah, and I think, you know, when it comes to my son, you know, I know I've known a lot of sons who are trying to grow up to be like their fathers. Um, truth be known, I'm trying to grow up to be like my son. You know, he's good looking, he's smart, he's fun, he's funny, he's everything I'd like to be. So I'm trying to grow up to be like Robert. Um, and uh, so maybe that's it. Maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to be like my son. You sat, started out with um, already feeling like your son was on the right path and maybe you needed to follow him, if only because he's so good looking and charismatic, but also because... Um, I guess the way he thinks and, and feels and moves through the world. And you were like, okay, if he's doing this, then it makes sense. I don't want to be too literal here, but it sounds like there is something to that, that you really do feel like your son is a, a good person and that he is worth emulating. Yeah. And of course, his, his four sisters are all very, very much the same. And so it's I have this very large community when you think about it. Five kids, my wife, uh, friends like Scott Heron. It's pretty very substantial community. And really, when you compare that to the temporary affection of the political crowd, uh, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a hard choice. And, and maybe, maybe it's because I had experienced that, you know, and I, I'd, I'd been in Congress for six years and um, uh, then I'd been out. And what you find out when you leave the stage is just how temporary that affection was that people had for you <laughs> you know it's like it's, when, i remember an orientation freshman orientation in congress a guy said to us there's one group of people who came here with you and if you play your cards right they'll leave here with you it's your family 
The rest of these people who are putting microphones in your face right now to ask your opinion on something, you put the name former in front of your current name and see how many people care about your opinions. <laughs> and and I, I had experienced that. You know, you go from being in office, oh, everybody cares about your opinion. Oh, sure, we want to know what you think. Bob English, tell us what you think. Um, then you get a new first name called former. And uh, ain't nobody care what you think about <laughs> anything. So, ex- except, except your family at the kitchen table, they'll care because you care about them, they care about you. Uh, friends like Scott Heron will care. Uh, but gee, that political crowd, man, they, they go away quickly. A couple of things about your story strike me having talked to these psychologists and neuroscientists about people changing their mind. The first thing is, although I know that trip uh, to the Antarctic to look at the ice core samples was important for you, the emphasis you've put on it in telling your story is much more about your family and about Scott Heron. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and actually there is, there's another element that's sort of sounds so irrational. So maybe I downplayed a little bit in that second step in the, in, in the ice core drillings in Antarctica. Sure. The science was interesting, but um, it's also interesting to meet a guy named Donald Manahan. Um, he's a professor at the uh, university of Southern California. Um, and he's a master teacher, you know, he'd hear uh, John McCain's question and he'd go to answer that at the postdoc level. He'd hear my question at the GED level, and he'd go down there without any condescension to answer the question. You know, I mean, he totally able to go the whole range. I mean, what I find is people who really know their stuff can do the whole range. If you don't really know your stuff, just stick in your bandwidth and don't ask me any question out of that bandwidth, you know. And so Donald was just an amazing master teacher. But he told me, just we happened to be just talking the two of us and he said he needed to go call his mother and uh, his mother was ill in ireland she's actually a famous actress um and uh, so the i had an aging and ailing mother at the time and the fact that he needed to go call his mother which is a pretty hard thing to do from antarctica um made me more able to hear his science and i know that sounds irrational but what it was is it, it's the way we are as human beings. Uh, I, he, he proved himself to be a caring and, and a warm person who cared about his mother and was willing to go to that length to figure out how to call her and check on her. And that really opened uh, a heart pathway into my head about his science. Um, and so all of this really, the, my first step with my son and my family and then the science committee trip to Antarctica, and then especially this guy, the, the getting no Scott, all of it uh, really ties back to that idea that uh, who, who, who do you love and who do you want to be loved by? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the decision I made, even though it caused me to get tossed out of Congress. Well, it may sound irrational on the surface, but it's actually very scientific, this decision process of yours, at least from the point of view of someone who would be studying your process, which because it turns out, you know, facts actually don't matter very much when we're trying to evangelize, let's say, because I know that's a language you and I both speak. 
when we evangelize, if we just present facts to someone, those things will bounce off of the brick wall of defensiveness, right? Yeah. If we approach someone with love and acceptance, we don't meet a brick wall, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much persuaded now that the heart decides and the head justifies. Um, so, um, and in that wonderful, we're human beings. I mean, otherwise we'd be computers, you know, it'd be totally rational and it'd be so terribly dull. Um, but the reality is we are very much more complicated than that. And what I'm reacting to in someone else is, is who they are and whether I feel an affinity for them and whether I feel that we can connect, you know, cause, and, and then of course we, we can learn from people who like us and we can especially learn from people who are like us. Um, but, you know, if you tell me you don't like me, I don't want to hear much more that you've got to say. But if you tell me, hey, I like you, Bob, you're an all right guy. Um, and especially if you are like me, you know, you, you share my values or I know that you share some community connection that I have, then I can really hear from you. And so, um, you know, an example of that, I, I was uh, at a conference one time and a, a guy said to me, uh, uh, did you uh, buy carbon offsets for your travel here today? And I said, uh, no, that's a scam, isn't it? Because I, I just read something in the Wall Street Journal about how the accounting is really quite funny. And, um, you know, it's a little bit suspect. And so he turns to the guy next to him and says, that's what they all say when they don't want to be responsible. Um, you know, if, if that guy told me any fact after that moment, I, I would have said like, yeah, whatever, I'll check, I'll check Wikipedia, okay, on that. But contrast that with, you know, if, if Scott Heron told me, hey, Bob, listen, why don't we, uh, why don't we go swim across the Potomac? Uh, you know, it's, the temperature's up, uh, it's, it's okay, uh, I, I know it's a little bit polluted, but let's go ahead and swim. Um, I'd say, sure, let's go, uh, you know, because I, I know that Scott loves me, wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do anything to harm me, so... I'm in. Um, but that guy with the carbon offsets, I don't want to hear anything else he's got to say. Because what he was telling me was he was righteous and I'm a sinner. He's, he's got it all figured out and I, I'm just a laggard. Yeah. Wow. Then that's, I don't want to hear any more from that guy. And I, I, I now want to turn to maybe your evangelism, right? Because you did take this experience of, of becoming um, a climate believer, becoming someone who is passionate about doing something about this impending apocalypse. And you tried to do it in Congress. That um, did not work out so well, you have mentioned. But what, what would you say is your evangelistic outreach with, with this organization? Yeah, we're, we're conservatives reaching conservatives on climate change. That's what we do at RepublicEN.org. And so we're out to convince conservatives they're way better than they ever thought, um, that they are currently possessed of an inferiority complex that's undeserved, um, that they think they're no good on energy and climate. But they're actually very good. They've got the answer. Um, you know, 
when you and I were at the University of Chicago, you know, uh, uh, shortly thereafter, we did an event there called What Would Milton Friedman Do About Climate Change? You know, Milton Friedman of the Chicago School of Economics. I mean, he's a hero of us, those of us on the right, you know, uh, one of Reagan's advisors. And um, it was pretty clear from that event that there's, uh, that Milton Friedman would act on climate change and that it's something that we can tell conservatives that they can feel really bucked up by, you know, that, hey, you know, we've got an answer. Yes, we do. We got an answer. How about you? You know, and so um, that's what we do. We go help conservatives realize the, the, the strength of their own ideas and, um, and urge them to follow those ideas. And so, you know, and things have changed. I will tell you that, um, you know, Early on in this uh, journey for me, it was uh, it was pretty lonely. Uh, you know, I got tossed out of Congress in June of 2010 in a Republican primary. After 12 years in Congress, got 29% of the vote in the Republican runoff. The other guy got the other 71%. Um, so a rather spectacular face plant. Um, and then, you know, a foundation came to me and said, you know, Inglis, unusual zoo animal you are. Actual conservative, uh, 93 American Conservative Union lifetime rating, 100% Christian Coalition, 100% National Right to Life, A with the NRA, zero with the Americans for Democratic Action, a liberal group, and 23 by some mistake with the AFL-CIO. I was really gunning for a zero. So they said, you know, an actual conservative who says climate change was real, will you speak and write for the proposition? And that's what I've been doing ever since. There are now six of us on this team um, facilitating a community, about 10,000 people online. We need uh, a couple more zeros on the end of that 10,000. Um, and uh, so we're, uh, we're uh, spending our time growing that community because uh, we think that conservatives are the most, American conservatives are the most important people in the world when it comes to solving climate change. Because it's not going to happen without some portion of American conservatives deciding that this is their issue. Going to pop in for a quick reminder that we are all ultimately slaves to the free market, whether we choose it or not. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Aspiration. What if you could actually do good for the world by making a purchase with your debit card? What if every time you swiped your card, a tree was planted? What if you were rewarded with up to 10% cash back every time you bought something that helped people or the environment? There's a bank alternative that's making that happen. It's called Aspiration. With an Aspiration Spend and Save cash management account, you can do better financially while creating a better future for the planet. Your deposits will not fund fossil fuel projects like pipelines, oil drilling, and coal mines, whereas big financial firms use customer money to help provide over $200 billion a year to support climate-changing fossil fuel companies. You can also round up your change to plant a tree every time you shop with your debit card. Save money. Save the planet. To open your Aspiration Spend and Save cash management account, text FRIENDS to 64000. Do it now for your future. Open your Aspiration Spend and Save account by texting FRIENDS to 64000. That's FRIENDS to 64000. 
We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why. That's why Ritual's founder is on a mission to reinvent the vitamin industry. Not only have they obsessively researched each nutrient in their visionary women's multivitamin, carefully choosing forms that are absorbable by the body, they've also tested their formula. Science-backed isn't just a buzzword for them, it's the standard. Ritual left out mystery additives, synthetic fillers, and shady extras that can be found in some traditional multivitamins. Regular listeners know I am a Ritual user. I love it. There's the minty fresh uh, scent, which just perks up my morning. There's the fact I don't have to have breakfast before I take it, which I think might be completely unique in my experience with multivitamins. And then there's just knowing that I'm doing something good for myself first thing in the morning. I brush my teeth. I take my ritual. Their delayed release no-nausea design capsule, like I said, is made to be gentle on an empty stomach. Daily changes can lead to big results, so start small today. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Try it out, and satisfaction is guaranteed. Go to ritual.com slash friends to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash friends. Did you know you touch your phone over 2,000 times a day? Now, more than ever, it's important to keep items like your phone clean, because if your phone isn't clean, your hands won't be clean either. Homedics UV Clean Phone Sanitizer kills up to 99.9% of bacteria and viruses at the DNA level using no harmful chemicals or liquids. It sanitizes and disinfects both sides of your phone 10 times faster than other products on the market. It takes just one minute with UV Clean versus 10 minutes with the competition. And it isn't just for your phone. You can put in your glasses, your lipstick, pacifiers, keys, credit cards, pins, even your computer mouse, anything that will fit. Put it in your pocketbook or a backpack and use it where you go. Use it while traveling if you are lucky enough to be traveling right now. I have a few of these. I gifted them to my father-in-law and my father for Father's Day. And you know what? It was the perfect coronavirus Father's Day gift. They both being fathers are older and in high-risk categories. And it makes me feel better to know that they are going to have clean phones. I'm sure it makes them feel better too. So don't fall for those sketchy phone cleaning companies you see on Instagram. Go with Homedics, a company you can trust who's been in business for over 30 years, has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Even with overwhelming demand for UV Clean, with friends like these, listeners can get free shipping plus $20 off a future Homedics purchase. Just head to Get UV Clean and use promo code CROOKED, that's G-E-T-U-V-C-L-E-A-N.com, and use promo code CROOKED. And don't forget, every time you wash your hands, make sure you clean your phone, too. I would do anything for my dog, actually. I would also do anything for my cats, Luke and Leia, but Exley is a special case. It says here in the copy, please share details about your pet and your relationship to your pet, etc. I'm not even going to begin because I probably couldn't start. Let's just say he is incredibly dear to me. He is a special boy who is very sensitive, and one of the ways that he's sensitive is food. He is incredibly picky. I was excited to get Nom Nom as a sponsor because I thought maybe this will do it. And it has done it. He eats it all. It's so fantastic. 
Nom Nom is a pet health company that makes fresh, restaurant-quality food for dogs and cats. Every meal is prepared just days before it ships out and arrives at your door fresh and is perfectly proportioned for your pet's dietary needs. Just tell Nom Nom a little bit about your pet. You have to restrain yourself, in my case. And they'll create a meal plan based on your pet's age, breed, weight, and health needs. Just open the pack, pour, and go. There is no scooping, no sealing, and no worries about over or underfeeding. Nom Nom is obsessed with every step of the process. They source, cook, mix, and pack every delivery with care in their own facilities. Their board-certified veterinary nutritionist is also a top chef who's dedicated to researching and creating every recipe. Plus, Nom Nom's ingredients are 100% sourced in the U.S. Exley is currently eating the beef mash, and like I said, he's, he's eating every bit of it. You have no idea how happy I am when I look in his bowl and he has made all gone. Switch to the fresh pet food that's backed by science. Try Nom Nom today and you'll get 50% off a two-week trial. Go to trynom.com slash friends. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash friends for 50% off a two-week trial. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Back to Bob and me. I think it's important to note in your description of your outreach that it isn't um, in the way that you frame it about changing minds. And I think that's an important kind of um, tactical framing, right? You are telling people, no, you're already on the right side. You don't have to change your mind. You just have to come along a little further, something like that. Yeah, or really believe in what you say you believe. <laughs> if, you, if you really believe in the power of free enterprise, then level the playing field, eliminate all the subsidies for all the fuels, and have an honest competition. And when we're talking subsidies, of course, everybody immediately thinks, oh, well, the, there went the electric car credits, the production tax credit for wind, the investment tax credit for solar. Yeah, there, there went those. But there also goes the most, the, the biggest subsidy of them all, which is being able to belch and burn into the trash dump of the sky without paying a tipping fee for the damages you're causing there. That's Milton Friedman to the max. It's also something I was actually thinking to myself, you better be careful how, how far you follow this logic because it starts to get into compensating, let's say, women for domestic work as well. Like if you use that same logic. Um, I don't think Milton Friedman said anything about that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it is interesting right now in the coronavirus times, we are experimenting as conservatives with Milton Friedman concepts of negative income taxes. And if he were still alive, uh, I think he might be open to a universal basic income um, or some. Well, that's what the earned income tax well, credit helicopter was, was money, a, right? That's what he's famous for. Yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> so. It's it's a uh, it, it is interesting when you when you think about how you know that's uh, maybe we're not so far apart. 
maybe maybe it's some people who keep us apart uh, for their own purposes, but actually we're not so far apart. And I will remind you, helicopter money is he had this idea that you it is universal basic income, but it's a much more fun way of thinking about it, which is you just fly a helicopter over society and like toss money at people. Wouldn't actually probably be a very practical approach, but um you know, it's funny to talk about um, or think about why are we being kept apart? Isn't this coming climate emergency important enough? This not even coming climate emergency, isn't the climate emergency that we are in the middle of important enough that we focus on that for at least like the hours that we are together? Yeah, and surely in this one, in a climate, we are literally in it together. You know, um, it's sort of like we're in a Petri dish doing an experiment on our common home, as the Pope calls it. And we're picking up handfuls of uh, the medium that we're growing stuff in in the Petri dish. And we're throwing at each other, having a big food fight in the Petri dish. At some point, we're going to realize, hey, you know what? We are the subjects of this experiment. We are experimenting on ourselves. And so why don't we turn down the heat here? Uh, because uh, we're going to be turned into soup here in this Petri dish. And so that's the... Um, and, and by the way, I'm not there saying that the earth's going to go away and we're all going to die. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that life is going to become much less pleasant if we keep on trashing this place. And so it, um, I happen to believe that climate might be the place where we could model the behavior of coming together. Um, some things are hard to figure out. You know, healthcare, for example, it's... It's, it's, uh, it's not solvable. Um, the problem with healthcare is there's a 100% death rate and there's a lot of suffering between here and there. And so really, healthcare systems are all designed just to alleviate some of the suffering. Um, and it's, so it's not solvable, really. Um, and you, you are constantly tinkering with it. But climate, that can be solved. I mean, there, there's a way to do this. Um, and so it's, it's pretty exciting, really, when you think about that. It's, it's usually presented as doom and gloom, we're all going to die. Um, but it's actually pretty exciting when you think about how uh, we, can, we can create an energy revolution that, uh, sort of like the tech revolution, create an enormous amount of wealth and jobs and opportunities, clean up the air, make the place better, improve the prospects of people in the developing world that might currently envy us and sometimes decide to lob bombs at us or blow us up or something. Um, there are a lot of benefits that come from acting on climate change. So it might be that this is a place where acting becomes uh, a modeling of the behavior of coming together and, and basically stuffing a sock in the people's mouths who want to divide us. Having agreed on agreement and, and the fact that we should focus on what we agree on and not what we disagree on, I now feel drawn to ask you about something that I'm, I'm not sure we're going to agree on, which is this current moment in America where we are experiencing what feels revolutionary to me as far as a national awakening on systemic inequality. What are you feeling in this moment? 
I certainly hope that's what it is. Um, you know, it was five years ago that uh, uh, that uh, uh, a shooter, I, I don't want to use his name, I know his name, but I don't want to use his name because it's not worth making him any more famous, um, shot uh, folks at uh, Mother Emanuel Amy Church in Charleston. And um, it was a moment for us in South Carolina, and it helped us uh, do some things, like, for example, take down the Confederate flag off of the Capitol. Um, uh, well, I've, I've got some uh, scars uh, <laughs> about about that because I was, thankfully, throughout my time in politics, said, take it down. Um, and uh, so uh, finally it came down. That was after I left office and had, uh, so, uh, so uh, some things have changed, but a lot didn't change. And so I hope you're right that this is a moment. I think it, it could be, it's just, you got to continue this really hard work, um, on identifying that structural uh, racism because it is out there. And, you know, here I am sitting in South Carolina and we're always assumed to be the guilty ones and we are. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, as I understand it, what is it? Milwaukee, Wisconsin is the most segregated city in America. Um, I've spent a fair amount of time in Milwaukee and driving through the city. I've had it described to me this way. White folks live up there, black folks live over there, Hispanics live down there. Um, and uh, that's, uh, you know, you look at Detroit, for example, and the history of redlining there and how my parents' uh, generation were able to create significant wealth in the post-World War II era by buying houses in nice neighborhoods and they appreciated it. And then those parents leave that wealth to us as children. Well, black folks are relegated in Detroit and Milwaukee and all over the South, too, to bad neighborhoods that didn't appreciate. And now we wonder why there's a wealth gap. Have you marched with any of the protests? No, I've, well, I marched with my keyboard. Um, <laughs> I've had some... Uh, I've had some things to say in the state newspaper in South Carolina. It's, I think, still our largest newspaper. And we've, we've uh, used the keyboard uh, at uh, republicen.org. Uh, sadly, we got some negative reaction from some, uh, mostly positive, but some pretty nasty negative as well. Um, and so I was prepared for it. I think... Um, uh, one of my team members was a little bit shell shocked by some of it, um, uh, but yeah, it was mostly. I, I've been marching through the keys to try to use whatever voice I can to say this as a Republican. But you know, here's where and I'm a little bit different. Maybe I, I describe myself as a Jack Kemp Republican. Um, Jack Kemp was, you know, an NFL football player. It was said of him that he had showered with more black, with more black people than most people know. Um, and, uh, you know, he really believed that the test of conservatism was that it works for everyone. And if it doesn't, then it's not very good philosophy. And so that's what I've adopted and as my approach to politics. And I realize that's a little bit out of step. Maybe they can't a little bit. It is out of step 
with, with, with the dangerous places that my party has gone of late. But I hope that my party will come back to itself and say, you know, really, Jack Kemp was right. We got to make this work for black people and brown people and if it and and white people and if it doesn't work for everybody then there's something wrong with the philosophy Uh, because if you really believe in free enterprise and really believe in opportunity you should believe in equal opportunity because otherwise all you're creating is some sort of autocracy some sort of a system where the wealthy and the well-connected do well who wants that that's russia um so if we're Americans who believe in that opportunity society, bring it on. Like I was saying earlier, uh, really believe what you say you believe and act on it. See if it's working for black folks. See if it's working for brown folks. If it's not, something wrong with the philosophy. I want to put this very boldly then. Do you believe black lives matter? Is that something that you can say? Yeah, in fact, that's what got us some feedback on the uh, on our keyboard. That's the subject that our, our wonderful my wonderful colleague Chelsea Henderson put on the uh, the Week in Review. She calls it. She she's our content uh, editor, and so she sent out uh, uh, the uh, something that I'd written uh, under that headline, under that subject line, and and then she started getting a negative reaction. Um, but I was tweeting it uh, as, as uh, BLM, uh, of course, Black Lives Matter. And uh, the thing that I love, particularly, uh, my daughter showed me this, and subsequently I saw it in my own Twitter feed, was that, you know, somebody has pointed out that uh, in Jesus's parable of the, of the uh, one lost sheep, uh, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes in search of the one. Um, that doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the 99. He does. But the one is in danger. And so that's why we can say and should say full-throatedly, black lives matter. They're in danger. And so we got to change that. We got to go after that. And, and yeah, that doesn't make me as a white guy less important. It just means that I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm all right. But we got, uh, we got black uh, kids, especially young black males, who are at real risk, and um, you know that's that's what we've got to change. So yeah, go after the one, leave the ninety nine in the sheep pen uh, where they're safe, and now let's go find that one and and uh, get him or her back into the into the fold. And that is it for the show. Please, if you think what we're doing this season is worthwhile, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a review wherever you get your podcasts or send a tweet to me at Anna Marie Cox or the show at crooked underscore friends. I hope you are well. I had my annual physical today and there's no news from that. But when I was giving my doctor a review of all the stuff going on for me, I saw her eyes get kind of wide and she said, well, that that's a lot. You know what? It is a lot. And I'm saying it now because I'm about to give myself some credit for it. I got through that. I am getting through that. I am getting through a lot. And because of the way things are these days, I know for a fact that every single one of you listening to me right now 
is also going through a lot. So give yourself some credit. You got here. You got through a lot. And you're still fighting, still feeling, still growing. Congratulations to all of us. And keep it up. Take care of yourselves. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.